This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's talk about emerging social media platforms. There's one called Mastodon, which is making some waves or footprints in the snow, if you will. Stephen Scott is the host of Double Tap Daily, which you can find on AMI-audio at noon. Stephen, how's it going? I'm good, Dave. How are you? I'm well, Stephen. I feel like I'm getting hip and with it over here because I'd never heard of this social media platform, Mastodon. So tell me a bit about it before we jump further into the conversation. Well, first off, you're not alone, Dave, because uh, not many people had heard about it until Elon Musk decided to buy Twitter. And as a result, everyone is uh, getting a little bit nervous on the platform, which, if I'm honest, I think is a bit of a storm in a teacup. And, you know, yeah. I kind of feel as yeah. well, if people want to leave, just go. Just leave. Stop moaning about it. Just Stop leave. saying on Twitter, I'm going to leave now. I'm going to leave now. Just go. It's a private company. He bought it. He can do with it what he exactly. wants. And, like, yes, what I would prefer want. there to be less Nazi propaganda on my social media platform. I'm but, all for less. Yes. Like, yeah, like, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, like, down with, like, how about we have, like, less Nazis on the platform? But, like, yeah. people clutching their pearls perpetually. But Elon Musk, oh, he fired the CEO. He bought the company. He can fire who he wants. And he's doing it publicly, and that's why we're seeing this. You know, you don't normally see all this carry on going on. You wouldn't normally care. But because it's Elon Musk and because he's doing it on Twitter and he's setting everything up on Twitter, it's kind of, I kind of like it, if I'm honest. There's almost a democracy part to it that I quite like. But anyway, that's well, not the question. It's probably more it? capitalism than democracy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, well, you know, yeah. I mean, what's the alternative? Do we want to go back to communism? I, I, that didn't work out first time around. I don't think we want to go there, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't um, think anybody would have accused Twitter of being uh, some kind of commune. But I, I think no. we're going to get caught in the weeds here, Stephen. Let's get back to Mastodon. Yeah. So Mastodon is an alternative social media platform. And the difference really here is that it is called... Um, a, a decentralized system. So it's not owned by a billionaire, unlike every other media organization on planet Earth. <laughs> um, this one is decentralized. Now, what that means in reality is anybody's guess, if I'm honest. Um, it could mean that, you know, it may never be taken away by or taken over by a billionaire. I, I honestly don't know. But the point is, at the moment, it's something which is kind of set up by individuals. So you could go off and set up a Mastodon server, and then people can connect to you. But when you're in the Mastodon world, you can connect people in other servers as well. So essentially, it's like Twitter. It's certainly designed like Twitter. It looks like Twitter. You tweet the same way. You can tweet more than you would say with uh, Twitter because there's more character capability. You can uh, send audio messages that are longer, video messages that are longer. Um, alt text is there as well. It's built in and it was actually there before Twitter had it. So in some ways, it's a little bit more accessible. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's a platform that's just very much emerging and is getting a lot of attention at the moment, um, which is good and also quite bad for the platform because they're trying to keep up with the flurry of inquiries. Right. What happens is all of a sudden they start getting an influx of people who want to join. And do they have the yeah. capacity to handle that from a technical perspective? Stephen, beyond the, the flee from Twitter... 
it surprises me that people wouldn't just say go to Facebook or go to Instagram or go to TikTok or go to Reddit or go to Discord. Why do you think Mastodon itself ends up being the place that has garnered this attention? I think ultimately for, and, and you know, bear in mind, I'm talking here about blind people who I'm seeing who are kind of making the rush. And it's blind people in particular who are heading to Mastodon. And it did intrigue me a little bit because I had read a lot of people saying it's not the most accessible place to go, but equally it's not as inaccessible as it used to be. Okay. And some people can okay. put up with that, right? So that's quite important. You know, it's, it's a bit more accessible. I mean, I went through the process of setting up an account with them and it was fine. It, it was, I had no issues logging in and setting up an account. I really have no, I think I, so you have to attach yourself to a server. And I picked a, a server which is full of nerds. And that's fine. <laughs> uh, these people talk a language I do not understand at all. I feel like a complete donut oh my in this gosh. situation. S Stephen, if they're too technically nerdy for you, uh, what hope oh. would I have? I have honestly, Dave, I have no, I'm not a geek. I'm just not a geek. I love geeking about, but on the very surface level, it's like if I can plug something in and a light comes on, I feel good about myself. These people, you know, they're hacking into banks. No, they're not. That's a joke. That's but, too far, you know, too point, far. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, it's it's a really interesting place because I, I guess a lot of people who are way more geeky are using those kind of platforms. And like you say, it's not the only one. People are looking at Discord. That's a very popular place for blind people to go. Um, the other one you mentioned there, not Reddit, Discord, the Reddit. other one, Reddit, that's it, Reddit, the, the frog network, um, that is very much uh, the place to go for a lot of people, and there are a lot of clients that you can download, like Reddit for blind for PC, and equivalents for Android and iOS that you can go and download that are more make the platform more accessible with subreddits and all the rest of it. Uh, all of these platforms come with challenges. And that's and the challenges can be accessibility for one, but also the content that's on those platforms. And you know, when you look at something like Mastodon, and it kind of surprises me, people are going there because it is decentralized, it is unregulated, and surely that's the very thing that people wanted to not happen. Right, right, exactly, right? exactly. Why would you go there? I, I just I don't get it, Dave. That's my. I'm like, what what's going through people's minds to think? Hey, do you know what? I don't like this unregulated space where you know the Nazis can say things, but equally will be challenged because and probably legally dealt with as well. Um, instead, I'll just go to this place over here where no one's looking. That is no curation. Really? That is no curation whatsoever. Yeah. Stephen, I, I, I don't want to dive too far deep into this because there's only losers when you end up in this conversation. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's there's people who just don't like Elon Musk. Personally, I don't care for the guy, but I don't feel enough about the guy that it's going to change my Twitter usage unless he starts charging me a monthly fee to get on Twitter, you know in which what, case Dave? then I'm out. <laughs> My, my take on it is really simple. It's not, it's, I don't think it's got anything to do with this. I think people who espouse the, the desire to have free speech don't really want free speech. They want their speech. That's right. And I'm not for that. I think, you know, yeah, I'm all for lettuce Nazis on the network. Absolutely. But equally, if you want free speech, that is the price of free speech, whether you like it or not. Uh, to me, that's the problem, right? You, you can't have it both ways. It's not like I can say whatever I want, but you can't say whatever you want. There are laws in place to deal with a lot of the speech that, that I mean, if we use the Nazis, for example, there are, you know, there are laws against that. There's hate speech, the things you cannot say, or if, if you do say it, you can be dealt with by law. Yeah. So 
There are rules in place for this. I mean, yes and no, you can be dealt with by law. That's been one of the concerns about content curation in the digital space and perhaps one of the concerns about someone who uh, does plant their free speech flag more openly like Elon Musk does. That mm. is this curation going away? What is the process going to be to report harassment or hate speech on the network? Are some of those guardrails going to go away? Which, by the way, that, that's a reasonable enough concern. I would argue that Twitter has never had good guardrails. But uh, that's, that's exactly my argument, it's like it's never been any different to me. There's nothing new here. I mean, you know, Facebook is a good example of this. The horrible things that have existed on Facebook and on social media across the board, not just Twitter, and it has been let go, or it's been, you know, horrific situations that have been left on the platform for too long. That's been going on for a long time. So I just don't see why everyone's so excited about Elon Musk taking this over, because it doesn't feel to me anything's changed. The other thing that I think matters here, and you were right to identify that, that people will be very muddy and murky in the way they think about free speech. And one of the problems is there's always perception of what counts as radical, right? We were mm. we were making jokes about communism and socialism and capitalism before. Yeah. There might be someone who is a staunch, staunch, staunch progressive who espouses like some very strong pro-union positions, some like economic overall positions that are far from the left and people who are in their circles would say, that's the kind of free speech I want to hear. There'd be people who are further to the right who would say, no, 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 that's too radical. I've deemed that to be inappropriate speech, right? So so this becomes this becomes the issue that it becomes very difficult to govern. And that's why maybe we need to be drawing very strict policies around what constitutes hate speech, harassment, especially of people who are vulnerable. But yeah, I, I think that anytime we start getting into the curation of social values into the social media space, then we have to ask the question of who is actually drawing those values? Well, this is the point. And, you know, when it comes down to, I mean, I, I always talk about this as a, a personal responsibility issue. We all have control of our own lives. A lot of people these days love to live in this bubble that they have absolutely no control over their lives. They're victims to absolutely everything. And I don't see myself in that way. I never have. I'm a great believer in personal responsibility. You know, if I don't want to, to be faced with this horror show every day on social media, just delete the app. Get away from it. And, you know, I used to use the excuse, well, I use it for work and I like to get the news on it. Now I think to myself, there's other ways to get the news. There's other ways to get information. I don't have to be sitting on that platform listening to a bunch of nobodies talk absolute garbage yeah. most of the day. People in pants, frankly, just sitting there talking <laughs> rubbish. Um, and, you know, I, I can join in that conversation or I cannot join in that conversation. I can read it or I, I don't need to read it. I can take some responsibility. And that's my argument towards yeah. that. The algorithms do change things, though, that what what is getting extra boost because of the algorithms, mm. which, again, these, these are all like reasonable conversations, but people don't want to have them reasonably, which then leads to more yelling. Well, there's no nuance, is there? There's no nuance. No, there's, there's no, there's no con context is gone. You, you cannot have a reasoned argument, at 140 characters. No, it's, it's just not impossible. 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 Uh, Stephen, let's go very quickly to something else you guys have on mm. your minds, which is the future of the dictaphone. Of course, people, yes, for years and years and years, people have been speaking notes into these little battery-powered devices. In fact, in journalism for years and years, that's how we would go get interview clips from politicians, especially in the radio yeah. world. Yeah. But now the dictaphone is on the ropes. Why? 
Well, you know what? The smartphone's taken over everything. It's gobbled up nearly everything on the desk, and uh, the dictaphone is one of them. And look, I would argue that it's taken the dictaphone a long time ago. You know, apps like voice memos on the iPhone and voice recorder on Android, and of course on your PC and on your Mac and across devices now, you have the ability to record. Uh, you know, I, I see the value in a dictaphone. A lot of businesses still like them. Um, but, you know, I think these days, if you're looking for security, and a lot of times I get asked this question about dictaphones, it's around, well, you know, my organization wants me to use this device because it's the most secure. And then I think to myself, but if you dropped that in the street and just left it lying there, someone could just pick it up and get all the information. If you drop your phone on the street, it's probably passcoded. There's probably face ID on there. They're not getting into it. The machine's dead once it's dropped. So, you know, I, I think there's better ways to do this. And I think that's clearly what is happening. Less people are buying them. They're less available. And more importantly for us, there are less accessible options out there. There's really only one Olympus uh, device left, a dictaphone left, that actually has got voice guidance built in, meaning mm. that if you arrow around the menus, it will speak them back to you. That's the DM770. It's a great device, but it's the only one left. And that means it's probably not going to last very long. And, you know, I spoke to Olympus about this and I said, look, guys, you know, are you going to develop any more? Have you got plans? No, we just don't. Yeah. And you can kind of understand why. Uh, there are so many accessible options out there from the smartphone you already own, which, you know, someone said to me, how long can I record with a voice memo on my, my iPhone? Well, to be honest, with the hard drive space inside, like you forever. could be talking 15 hours, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 20, 30, 40 hours. You could record for days if you wanted to. So the capacity is better. The storage is better. Some quick mentions for apps to think about as alternatives would be like Just Press Record, which is a fantastic app, works on the iPhone and also on the Apple Watch as well. And the Apple Watch is a brilliant dictaphone when you think about it because it's always there. It's just ever present. Um, but you also have apps like the Voice Memos app I was talking about. Just Press Record, though, it doesn't just do audio. It transcribes the audio, which oh, is wow. brilliant. So you That's brilliant, text yeah. transcription right after. And, of course, there are alternatives as well, like RecUp, R-E-C-U-P, a brilliant application, which if you've got a Dropbox account, as soon as you hit stop, that file is instantly available in your Dropbox. So there's lots and lots of options out there. So the idea of a dictaphone in 2022, you've got to get batteries for this thing. I think the, the little tapes have gone. They've moved away from that, at least. It's all memory cards now. Uh, although I must admit, I love those little tape recorders because you know, they were just great. Those tiny little tapes. They're tiny. I love that's, them. That's how we both got our start in this industry, just making tapes for ourselves. Absolutely. Some people would accuse us still of just making tapes for ourselves just via national TV every day, but uh, that's their opinion. You you might think that, Dave, and I can only agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can listen to Stephen Scott's personal dictaphone recording weekdays at noon Eastern on AMI-audio. Never, it's never. Double tap. tapes are never coming out. Oh, my gosh. Stephen, all the best to you. Always fun catching up. Have yourself a great day. Thanks, Dave. Take care. That's Stephen day. Scott, one of the hosts of Double Tap. You can find it weekdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern time on AMI-audio. Audio. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI TV. I'm Margaret Shepherd of the AMI podcast Tripping On Air. Every month, my co host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.